With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. Uh, welcome back to the Conference USA edition of the show. Uh, this week, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what happened in week two of Conference USA football and then preview the games for uh, week three. Um, got, some, got some good ones on the slate. I'm Joe Lonergan. You might remember me from last week. Apparently, I didn't screw it up too bad. They let me host another one. Uh, usually focused on Western Kentucky, and uh, with me, I think this is the first for the show, we have a former uh, player, Mr. Satchel Zipper. How you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you, stuff, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, so, if you don't remember, Satchel uh, was the kicker-punter for Old Dominion for a few years, and uh, later at Boston College, so this is going to be some interesting discussion as we uh, cover your Monarchs and the rest of the league. Yes, sir. I mean, if you love specialists, you're going to love this guy, this week. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't, man? Who doesn't love Hey, them? hey, we're the best. Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? What play doesn't average like 40 yards per play, though? If not exactly. That is, I mean, that's true. I mean, that's true. I mean, you know, we, uh, I get this kind of notoriety around Old Dominion now where, like, even if I'm, like, emailing someone about business, they're calling me and they're, or they're saying, is this the same Satchel Ziffer that almost missed a game winner against FAU by hitting it off their left upright? I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> same one. So, yeah, notoriety. Hey, it's, at least you're remembered. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll go ahead and jump right into it, talking about what happened in week two of Conference USA football. Uh, yeah. FIU uh, managed to get the win over Alcorn State, uh, 17-10. to That was the first win of Butch Davis's tenure at FAU. Um, fairly good day for their offense, uh, 465 uh, total yards. Um, but really it was kind of more of a moral victory as that game got moved to Birmingham in the aftermath of uh, Hurricane Irma, and um, about half of their athletic department was relocated there along with them. Yeah, it was, um, this is a rough game. Like, I mean, offensively, they did a great job. But, I mean, with three minutes and 54 seconds left in the game, it was tied at 10. So, against an FCS opponent, it's really not that fantastic in Alcorn State. So, I mean, you know, the 49-yard field goal from a core – what's McClugler? I can't really <laughs> – but – yeah, but he tied it up with three minutes and 54 seconds. And the one positive that I can really say from that game is that FIU, uh, you know, strapped down and went on that seven-play 80-yard drive to take the lead with, you know, barely any time left in the clock. So I uh, got to give it to Bush Davis. I got to give it to FIU and, um, you know, hold him strong after, you know, the difficult circumstances they had to withdraw, with, go through. Um, I just, you know, it's going to be, I think, a rough you know, a couple weeks for them, especially having to cancel this game against Indiana. I mean, obviously, that game probably wouldn't have been that close. I mean, Indiana's a great team this year, and they're going to surprise some people in the Big Ten. But, yeah, I, uh, I think going forward, it'll be nice to see them if they can, you know, improve on what they've already improved on. So, 
Absolutely. Uh, just like you mentioned, they now have uh, some time off after the game against Indiana was canceled. Uh, they are looking to reschedule that game to October 7th, which is a little unprecedented, but we will see what happens. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, moving down the line, UAB lost against a tough Ball State team, 31-51. to um, Just to touch on Ball State, this is a team that almost beat Illinois um, at Illinois, and now they're yeah. back and they put up 50 on a UAB team that's no slouch, so they'll be some uh, contenders in the MAC this year. But UAB overall pretty good day, 504 uh, total yards compared to 377 yards from Ball State, so they won that uh, battle. And especially on the ground, 336 rushing yards, and they had three different running backs contribute pretty significantly to that effort. Yeah, I think all three of them are really gonna, you know, they're gonna kind of split that load. They're um the best comparison I can actually do in the USA is those three um, mixed with, you know, the three at ODU, ODU, even though Ray Lowry's out right now. I mean, with Ray Lowry, Jeremy Kosh, and Keyshawn Strong, I mean, that's kind of a similar, you know, where I put the two. Um, they're very close to each other, and I think those years of just practicing and pent-up aggression for what the Alabama State system did to them, I mean, yeah. I they're going to be good. They're going to be really good, and I think how they're recruiting and how they're practicing and how those uh, facilities are just getting better and better it's going to be great to see them, and I think they're going to be big contenders in the following year. So, but I think that Ball State team, uh, you know, they were picked to be probably lower end of the MAC, and I don't see that actually happening this year. I think they're that's a really good team. They're going to be competitive. I mean, I know that when, I forget who they picked to win the conference. I think Toledo, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Toledo or Ball State, you know, made a run at it this year. So we'll see. I think it's a pretty fair assumption, the Ball State team uh, looking a lot better than I think a lot of us thought they would be. Um, on the UAB side, um, I think you're right. They're going to turn into a, a much better team as they move towards move throughout the season, rather. Um, they yeah. just got to clean up the mistakes a little bit. They had nine penalties for 81 yards and four fumbles in that game. Uh, so oh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can't do that and win games. Moving down the line, your Monarchs uh, got the win against uh, UMass. They moved to 2-0 on the year. What did you think of that game, Satchel? A mess in ways. Yeah, I mean, I played UMass when I was at BC, and then I got to see them play uh, ODU. And um, UMass was supposed to be, you know, better this year. And I mean, they are, but at the same time, they're they're playing a hell of a schedule. I mean, it's 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 going to be an interesting year for them. They're traveling all over the world. Like they're going to BYU. They've already, you know, it's just going to be an interesting year. But um, I think it should have, like, I predicted the game to be a little more, you know, not or less competitive than it actually was. I thought that. You know, Blake LaRusso would come into his own in the game. And um, unfortunately, you know, with Melvin Vaughn out, who's probably the most athletic player on the team, and then also Jonathan Duhart, our number one wide receiver, breaking his foot um, and being out for the rest of the season, it, you know, it doesn't seem like the offense is really there yet. And I think, you know, the offensive line kind of got bullied again. But the upside is the defensive line, who, you know, I, I think statistically they are the number one, you know, stack we're the number one sack defense in the country. I mean, they they have, like, 15 sacks altogether now. So I think, you know, just for the first time in however long I can remember, we're relying on the defense to win us games, and that'll be a, it's a interesting, you know, change around. But great job by Coach Commission, who's the defensive line coach, and just, you know, uh, building that lineup and getting the right guys. And, you know, we I knew that those guys that are like O'Shane Zimenez and uh, Daniel Pooh and those guys, they were my recruiting class. And I always knew they were going to be good. But, you know, to be doing what they're doing week in and week out, I, I look for that to continue. So there's goods, there's bads. 
uh, I wasn't impressed. I hope this week isn't as terrible, but we'll talk about that later. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, moving yeah. on the line, some of the other results from last week. Uh, Wisconsin took care of business against the Florida Atlantic Owls, 31-14. to 14. Uh, FAU uh, looked a little bit better than they did in the first week, but still uh, not too impressive in Lane Kiffin's first year down in Boca Raton. Um, Charlotte got absolutely walloped by number 19 Kansas State, uh, 55-7. Uh, 49ers have a tough task if they want to get a step towards uh, below yeah. ability sometime soon, so best of luck to them. On the flip side, Middle Tennessee beat Syracuse 30-23 to at the Carrier Dome. Did you catch any of that game? Uh, I didn't actually get to watch the game. I kind of was in the middle of the ODU game, I think, when that was going on. Mm-hmm. But I kind of I watched the highlights, and, um, you know, it's actually, you know, they're, I mean, Middle Tennessee's always been a very competitive team, especially against those F- FBS, Power 5 teams. But it's not surprising to me. I think you know, if you really watch Middle Tennessee and you watch how they've, like, you know, kind of grown that program in the last couple of years, um, it's not. And, I mean, I know the first week, you know, losing 28-6 to to Vandy is bad. But, you know, you know Brent Stockstill and I, I think it's his dad, Rick, those two had both great days. I mean, they probably had a heck of a um, family dinner that night because, you know, the defense just did an amazing job. They got five sacks, I think, um, created a lot of momentum for the defense going forward. And then Brent Stockstill, the quarterback, threw for three touchdowns to, you know, you know, accompany what his dad was able to do. So, yeah. Yes. Big day for Middle Tennessee. Uh, Scott Schaefer gets a win over his former team at, uh, at Syracuse. Rick Stockskill, head coach of uh, Middle Tennessee. So that's big to see um, him get the win with his son at QB. Uh, huge yeah. day for Stockskill. He went uh, 22 of 36 for 269 yards. Uh, in the second half alone, he threw three TD passes on three consecutive drives. Just a massive improvement from week one to week two all around for the exactly. Blue Raiders. Um, I feel like I owe Middle Tennessee fans a little bit of an apology. I ragged on them pretty hard after their show of ineptness against uh, Vandy last week. But full credit to them. They, they look like they're back on track. So, Yeah, and I mean – at the end of the day, I still it's a Syracuse team who, you know, couldn't beat a nine power five that had you know a hundred like a lot of penalty yards and three turnovers. So, um, it's it's a good win, but at this end of the day, I, I wouldn't you know put all my put on my I can't even think of the, the term, but what, I wouldn't <laughs> say that Middle Tennessee is you know the powerhouse just because they beat a Syracuse team that obviously is inept in multiple ways. True, a lot of football left to play. Um, yeah. Moving down the line, uh, Marshall took a loss, uh, 37-20 to NC State. That's about what I expected. Uh, NC State's a fairly good team. Marshall looked pretty good in week one against uh, Miami of Ohio in that win, and then they came back and had a fairly decent game. Uh, we'll see what they do uh, moving forward next week when they have another MAC opponent coming in. Um, yeah. The weird thing about that game was that it was the three-point game at half. And, um, I mean, I think it's Mur- what is it, Murphy's Law that uh, – you know, everything that bad, everything bad that can happen will happen. And I mean, yeah, NC State scored on a fourth of goal, and there was a fumble, a punt, an interception in the red zone. I mean, it was just Marshall kind of took themselves out of that game. And you know, I if they could have probably won that game easily if they had just you know not had that second half. I guess <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, yeah, probably so. North Texas and SMU. SMU got the win there, 54 to 32, in the battle of the Dallas area schools. Southern Miss um, had Southern at home, took care of business, 45 to nothing. Uh, no real surprise there. 
Um, which brings us to Louisiana Tech uh, dropping the game in Ruston, 57-21 to 21 against the Bulldogs. Um, not too much to be ashamed there, really. Uh, Mississippi State has a great defense. Nick Fitzgerald had a big day. Um, some special teams in this queue happened for the Bulldogs. Tech had a punt blocked for a touchdown, had a PAT blocked. Um, also lost 87 yards on one play. Did you see yeah, I was gonna. About? I was, I was gonna say. I was gonna say not a lot to be ashamed about, except for an 87 yard loss. Yeah. It was. So. It was one big thing. I, I feel like I was watching that play, and I was like, "There's, there's Benny Hill music over this, right?" Like, oh I, no, no. I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, and then I was thinking, I was like, I was like, the Jets are probably watching this play and going, "How can we regain our title as the worst play in football history?" <laughs> So it'll, it'll be an interesting, you know, see how they uh, come back. And, you know, I really look forward to the Jets and, you know, they're pushing forward at trying to regain their spot at the not top ten Hall of Fame. So. Yes. So we'll see We'll see how they recover from that. They are heading yes. into uh, Bowling Green to face uh, the Hilltoppers, so which brings us to what happened in uh, Champaign this week, WKU losing 20-7 to to Illinois. Only mm-hmm. six rushing yards in the day for Western. Uh, offensive line problems just continuing up there. They punted seven times. Uh, to be honest, that was one of the worst games I've seen Western play in a couple of years, um, which I guess is just they need more time in Mike Sanford's system or something. But mostly I, I really got to place a lot of the blame on that offensive line. Um, and in Sanford's conference this week, he uh, his pressure this week, he actually talked about how they are opening up the left tackle position, so Jimmy Sims' job is in trouble to uh, redshirt sophomore Parker Howell. We'll see how that goes. Um, bright spot for Western in that game, Nicarius Fant, 10 catches for 110 yards, best day of his career by far. Yeah, he was impressive, and I just, you know, I kind of had the exact same points. I mean, that offensive line was almost as atrocious as ODU's. And, you know, when you play an Illinois team that you were favored, they were favored, I'm pretty sure, in that game, weren't they? Yes. Yeah, so when you play an Illinois team that, you know, Illinois is just historically bad at this point. You, you, we have no hope for them anymore. But, like, um, I mean, the fumbles, there was four fumbles, I think, and then just, you know, the lack of offense. I mean, that's just really what led to, you know, the loss when they – they really should have won this game, but instead only score seven points in, you know, garbage time against, you know, a really bad Illinois team that probably won't win more than two more games this season. So, I, you know, that one was pretty disheartening to take as a Western fan. Um, yeah. And then moving on to a big bright spot for the conference last week, UTSA beating Baylor in Waco 17-10. Uh, that yes. was the one prediction I got right. Uh, so I'm <laughs> pretty happy with their, with their performance there. Uh, first Power 5 win for UTSA ever. Dalton Sturm, great day for him. 155 passing yards and uh, two TDs. Yeah, he that was just an impressive win. And, I mean, I know that you can downplay what you want about Baylor and, you know, the fact that they just lost to Liberty, too. I'm pretty sure they lost Liberty. Yeah, they did lose to Liberty. But, um, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be a hard, you know, climb up for Baylor at this point. I mean, Matt Rule was probably the right hire, but at the end of the day, you got to give it to UTSA. Um, the running backs played a great game, and the two running backs were really good, and then UTSA's defense, they, you know, they held strong, and they did, you know, exactly what the game plan called for, and I'm, I'm just happy to see them win. I mean, I hate UTSA just because of the fact that I think I had, like, a four-yard punt against them, but, you know, at the same time, I can't hold a grudge against them anymore. I mean, covering them a little, so... Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and then the only conference game last week, uh, Rice faced UTEP in El Paso. The Owls got the win, 31-14. Uh, congrats to them for coming back from what they went through with Hurricane Harvey. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. On the UTEP side, this is a team that looks like they are just flat out in trouble to me. Only 229 yards of total offense on the day, and that's just 26 rushing yards on the ground. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's been even reported that Sean Coopler has lost complete like confidence in, from his team. You know, there's fights in the locker room. The administration is kind of done with the game. And he's kind of just, you know, he's it's been a very gradual but steep decline for Coopler and UTEP. I mean, it's kind of just disappointing to see what they're going through now. And um, even the fact that, like, my favorite quote of the week from any coach was uh, – that he said, Kugler said, there were 90, he was proud of the home opening attendance against the game against Rice. Uh, there was 19,000 people at the Sun Bowl, which uh, Sun Bowl fits 50,000 pretty comfortably. So, baby steps, Kugler. Baby steps. You're going to make it. <laughs> but um, I think their season's 100% over. I, don't, I think Rice was their easiest opponent left, and so I think they're going to go 0-12. I, I had to just put that out there. I mean, they just... They're just terrible, and um, I think it's time for them to start looking for a new coach to kind of revitalize that program. So what I'm hearing is as we move into uh, the predictions for next week, the first one, uh, Friday night, Arizona at UTEP on ESPN. You're taking the Wildcats in that one. I'm taking them big, 56-14. Sorry, sorry, UTEP. (laughs) Yes, I I think that's a fairly um, reasonable prediction, though, given what we've seen out of UTEP the past uh, two weeks. Uh, Got beat down by Oklahoma in week one, and now this. Now, Coastal Carolina heading to Birmingham to face the Blazers uh, at, I guess that's noon central time, at Legion Field. Uh, Coastal started the year 1-0 with a 38-28 win over UMass. Uh, UAB the favorite to win that one by one and a half. I think this is going to be a pretty high-scoring game. Both teams have pretty good rushing attacks, so we'll see what they bring. Yeah, I mean, no one knows this about me, but Coastal actually is where I started my college career. I ended up uh, transferring from there and doing a 4-2-4. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting game, especially since both are kind of in their first year back in – or well, Coastal's first year in FBS, like truly, and then UAB just back in it. And, um, I mean, I think it's going to be – I think the whole idea of Joe Mowgli and not being there, their head coach for the year just because of health concerns, um, I think that will kind of play a factor actor for this whole season for them. I mean, Coastal's always been a good team, and they have all the athletes to kind of do whatever they want to do. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think, you know, having the bye week last week and um, UAB kind of having all the mistakes and penalties, like, it's going to be interesting, and I don't think um, UAB will be able to stop CCU's uh, rushing attack. I think the CCU has done a great job of, you know, uh, farming, or not farming, but, like, creating amazing running backs. I mean, they had Talfero, then they had... Uh, Henderson, and now they have, uh, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm just not even going to try. But they have a good running back, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the key to the game is AJ, their quarterback, AJ Erderly, uh, the dual threat. I think he's uh, getting comfortable, and he's starting to understand that by throwing, uh, by running, he'll be able to open up the throwing game. And um, Coastal has a really bad pass defense, so I think that'll be the key. And if they can do that, I think UAB ends up winning 24-20. to 20. Okay. Uh, so moving on to the uh, pair of Big Ten matchups we got this week, North Texas at Iowa and Middle Tennessee at Minnesota. Uh, both of those games are going to be at, uh, looks like, 2.30 p.m. local time in uh, the central time zone there. Uh, Mean Green at the Hawkeyes on ESPN2, Blue Raiders at the Gophers on Big Ten Network. Uh, if you had to pick one of those two, uh, which one do you think is more likely to beat their Big Ten foe this week? 
See, that's just really not fair. <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I don't think either are because I think Iowa's just having a great year. But And I think Minnesota Minnesota's that sneaky team that for some reason no one talks about, but they always go 9-3. And now that they have uh, P.J. Fleck, I think they're just going to even do better and they, they just crush both their last teams. So I still – actually, I'm going to – you know, I'm going to North Texas. I think they have a great offense. I uh, I think, you know, Iowa's coming off an overtime win over their biggest con- their biggest foe, which is Iowa State, in-state rivalry, big game. Mm-hmm. That was probably the best game of the week last week, and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that whole game. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with UNT somehow. I, I don't know how, but that'll be it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, Vegas does not agree with you. Iowa favored by three touchdowns coming off that win over their arch rival. Uh, Minnesota are nine and a half point favorites over the Blue Raiders. Um, I'm just going to say that I think Middle Tennessee is more likely to beat Minnesota. However, I agree with you that I don't think either of these teams are going to walk away with wins. I think I think both those Big Ten teams are actually kind of contenders to kind of like dark horse in the Big Ten because I think with I mean Ohio State kind of being inept and you know no one else with Penn State really challenging at this point. I think those two are going to kind of slip in the talks at the end of the year. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Big Ten is an interesting race this year, and, and we'll see what if Michigan can get anything together as well. Um, but uh, we'll save that for a Big Ten podcast. Um, and then yeah. moving on to uh, your Old Dominion Monarchs, uh, North Carolina at Old Dominion this week, uh, yes. 3.30 East Coast time. Uh, yeah. UNC favored by 10 in that one. Uh, as a former player, how do you approach those games where you're playing P5 teams <laughs> at home and not favored? So let me just say the first thing about this game is my um, – the last time we played UNC, it was a very close game, you know, and then UNC went on a 70-point run. So it kind of went wrong really fast for us. And, you know, I think there's vengeance, but none of these players played in that game. Um, going forward when you're, you know, in one of these weeks against a big ACC opponent, you know, the whole week is just kind of focused. And Bobby Water does a great job of this. He kind of focuses us on it's just another game, play our game, don't allow – the fact that they're an ACC opponent kind of take over that. And that's how we almost beat NC State back in 2014 when we traveled there the first year. Um, we played our game. Obviously, we had Taylor Heineke, so that kind of helped. But I think going – like, it's, that's how, what they're going to have to do, and they're going to basically – I mean, they have a bunch of young guys now that are kind of having to step up due to some of the injuries. Yes, I, I'm just kind of negative, Nancy, about this game. I don't see it kind of going – any way for Old Dominion in any way. I think maybe we get about 12 rushing yards in the first half, and then we kind of just give up. I don't I, I don't know. We got mercy ruled the last time we played UNC, so, you know, I, I hope that it gets better and it's a good game, but um, I'm not going to keep my hopes high. So, I think that's fair. Uh, North Carolina hasn't looked great uh, coming into this one. They lost to Cal and Louisville in the first two weeks. Um, so they're they're angry for sure. So we'll, yeah. we'll see if they they take that out on the Monarchs or not. Um, well, and then you also you do, like let me just put this in. You like Jonathan Duhart was by far our best wide receiver, and he I mean without him and without Antonio Vaughn, they're not Antonio Vaughn. Jeez, that's other Vaughn. Um, Melvin Vaughn. We don't have we really you know we, our passing attack was already bad because we're trying to figure out which quarterback we're going to use. So now we're kind of scrambling between maybe not even having Ray Lowry again this week and then using Jeremy Cox and Hoy, the new quarterback that's more mobile, and LaRusse's the throwing. We're still trying to figure out our identity, and when you're trying to figure out your identity against a UNC team, it kind of leads to some, uh, or not a UNC team, but a Power 5 team that can lead to 
problems early, and that just kind of snowball, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving on to two more teams uh, from North Carolina, uh, Charlotte and North Carolina A&T at uh, 6 p.m. at University or at Charlotte. They're playing an FCS team, FAU hosting uh, Bethune Cookman as well, UTSA yep. hosting Southern. Um, any of those teams need to be on upset alert this week, in your opinion? Um, I am 100% positive Charlotte is going to lose to UN, uh, <laughs> NCANT. Mm-hmm. I think um, the Aggies are a really impressive team. I mean, they're always a good team. They're always a competitor in their conference. But this year, th- let me just give you the stat. Um, points for 101, points against three. Uh, I've never seen a 98-point spread two weeks into a season. Um, I don't think Charlotte's a good team. I think... Um, sadly, they are an SBS team somehow playing in the FBS. Um, they lost to an EMU team that, even though EMU is very vastly improved and they're going to have a good year, they're not amazing. And then they just got romped by KSU last week. I think North Carolina NT comes in uh, and wins pretty convincingly, too, I would say, 38-21. to 21. Um, FAU, on the other hand, I think that's just going to be a really interesting game. Both teams being in Florida and, you know, Pray for everyone from Hurricane Irma, but I think that game is just, I mean, I played on FAA, FAU's field. That game is not meant for, like, a lot of cutting, and with all the water and the sogginess, it's going to just be a rough game. And I actually have it here that I'm going to bet there are more people falling due to the grass than points scored in this game. So I, I think there's going to be over 20 people that fall just because of the grass in this game. I don't think there's going to be 20 points scored. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to end up being like maybe like a 10-7 to 7 affair, and FAU is going to win with Lane Kiffin finally getting his first win. Uh, yeah, I agree <laughs> with you, Charlotte. Maybe not definitely, but probably going to lose to North Carolina A&T. Like you were talking yeah. about, that offense is scary uh, at yeah. the FBS level anyway. We'll see how it translates to an FBS opponent. That'd be a big win for A&T if they can get a win over, S- over an FBS team. Have any thoughts on Marshall hosting Kent State at uh, 6.30? PM in uh, Huntington there. So they're heavily favored, and um, for good reason. I think Marshall's a really good team this year, and I think at the end of the day, even though I love ODU, um, I think they're going to win the conference. I think Marshall is going to you know, prove superiority again. Um, Kent State is atrocious when it comes to passing, and their only saving grace is the running game, and Marshall's best defensive aspect is their defense on rushing attack. So I think it's just going to hold true this game. I think Marshall is going to play well in front of the home crowd, and um, they're going to come away with a decisive win against a good Mac opponent right before they travel to Ohio to play Cincinnati um, and a good Bearcats team. So I think Marshall wins 35-20. UTSA hosting Southern and the Alamo Dome there. Uh, UTSA fans, Good news for you. You're probably going to get a win, and you're going to get to see a really good marching band from Southern. So have fun. Um, yes. <laughs> I was actually going to say that. I was like, the drum line, look for it. Yes. Uh, Southern's marching band is, is really top-notch, and uh, we were talking about it last week. That was main, the big selling point uh, for Southern fans to make the trip uh, to USM. And then USM this week, uh, heading to Monroe to face ULM. That game's going to be on ESPN3 at uh, 6 p.m. there, uh, local mm-hmm. time. Um, I, I don't think USM has really any trouble dealing with uh, the Warhawks there. They put up 45 last week, uh, gave UK a run for their money in week one. Uh, this was a pretty good uh, USM offense. Yeah, I mean, especially from what they did last year and just the disappointment from last season. Um, 
I am going to disagree with you, though. I think ULM is off. They're off um, basically a bye week. Um, they didn't play last week because of the FSU game being canceled. I think they're going to come in. They're going to come in strong. I mean, wait, no. Is it, again, is it at Southern Miss or is it at ULM? I it forget. Is, I'm sorry. It is at ULM. Yeah, so I think I think ULM comes out strong. I really I, – I think the whole idea – I mean, I know they don't have really any defense. I mean, that first week they had 425 yards of offense, but they also allowed up 416 on defense. Um, I think, you know, Southern Miss is really efficient. Um, you know, they allow less than 200 yards per game, so they're going to – it's going to be a great defensive effort, I think, but I think it's still going to be a close game. I think USM wins on a late field goal. So, hmm. All right. So it yeah. sounds like we're in for a close one in Monroe, um, yeah. which brings us to probably the big one this week, Louisiana Tech at Western Kentucky. Uh, WKU yes, are slight favorites. Uh, WKU has them at home, so that helps their cause a little bit. Uh, the home team has won the last few times these two have met. Uh, you can catch that game on Stadium, actually, at uh, 6 p.m. Central Time. Um, and it's also a rematch of last year's championship game. Um, yep. With with Western, they just they have to improve the offensive line. They have to give Mike White time to throw the ball. Uh, I think that's kind of the root of a lot of the mistakes that they've made. Uh, it just it, all in all. Um, and then now that they Sanford kind of talked about this during the week as well. Now that they kind of know who they're. Um, big targets are with Nakarius Fan, with Lucky Jackson. Um, Dion Yelder's kind of emerging as a little bit better of a tight end than uh, Kyle Fortenberry. Um, mm-hmm. They don't need to do as many personnel changes, uh, so that definitely helps them be able to play the fast-paced offense that we're kind of seeing. But, I mean, the, the last two weeks, this has not been the Western Kentucky offense that I've come to know. Um, so we'll just see. They really hadn't had a definitive game yet. So hopefully they make that statement here. I'm going to take Western Kentucky by uh, 10 here. Louisiana Tech has looked solid, but um, they kind of had a similar game to Western in week one with an FCS team. Um, yeah. Let them hang around for way too long before they kicked it into gear in the fourth quarter. Um, and while they, they did some things right in the um, Mississippi State game, ultimately got hammered. Um, and, of course, Western didn't look great against the Power 5 team either. But I think I just think Western Kentucky has less problems on their plate than uh, Louisiana Tech does right now. So we'll we'll see how that one shakes out. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with you. I think both teams kind of have some things they have to figure out in the next couple of weeks. But I think the big difference between the two is the defense, and I think Louisiana Tech has adopted the Big Twelve way of playing football and just completely just disregarding defensive <laughs> defensive uh, momentum or anything defensively. Um, so I think there will be a lot of offense, and I think that even though people were all worried about Western Kentucky and their offense, and you guys have been spoiled on offense the last couple of years, so I'm not going to feel bad for you Hilltoppers. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, I, I think this is kind of a coming out week. Um, you know, they're averaging, they're allowing 424 yards of, Per uh, game, Louisiana Tech is, and that's not a, like even a skewed thing because of Mississippi State. I mean, Northwestern State isn't that great of an FCS program, and they still put up big numbers. So I think Western Kentucky kind of you know finds you know finds what they're doing. I think uh, there, I think Western Kentucky wins 45-28. I think it's going to be a lot of scoring. I think there's going to be a lot of offense, but I think there's also going to be a lot of uh, miscues on both ends. So. Hope you're right about the scoring because I, yes. I, I, I miss those high scoring games so much. Um, 
Moving on to the, the last uh, game on the schedule for this weekend, Rice at Houston uh, in the battle for uh, the city of Houston. Uh, Houston favored by 24. Cougars coming off of a 19-6 win over Arizona last week. Uh, Major Applewhite's got himself a team uh, in the Cougars there. I don't think they have any problem winning against uh, Rice, unfortunately. No, and you know, I can't ever pick against a name like Major Applewhite. I mean, great names, great names appreciate great names, and God, that's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of, um, there's going to be a lot of emotion in this game, especially with Houston and, uh, you know, the Hurricane Harvey having come through, um, both teams being from there. I think it'll be a close, you know, maybe first quarter, but then Houston really, you know, out, does everything to a one-dimensional rushing team and rice. Um, yeah, I think Houston wins pretty big. I think 42-7 to 7 is what I'm thinking. I don't think rice is anything special. I think they're better than they've been, but nothing great. So, I would agree with that. Houston uh, showing, again, that they're probably one of the better G5 teams out there this year. Um, yep. So we'll see. Um, they have another week here where they can probably afford to make a few mistakes and still come away with a win. Um, and then, of course, FIU versus Indiana was on the schedule, but uh, that was canceled due to Hurricane Irma uh, wreaking havoc with the South Florida area still. Most of it's passed through, but like, we'll leave the uh, facilities crew to kind of pick up the aftermath of that. Um, they are looking to reschedule it for October 7th, so we'll see yeah. what happens there because uh, that could have bowl implications for uh, Indiana anyway. See, I don't agree with that. I just think Indiana's actually a really good team. I think, I know Ohio State's not that great of a team, but I think, you know, Indiana's just, you know, they're just starting to hit their stride, and I think going forward, just look for them to, you know, win a silent eight or nine games this year. I'm just saying. I think it's going to happen. So. I'm not saying it's out of the question, but if you're going <laughs> to take, take what would essentially amount to a free win over an FIU team that's really not very good, I Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, I agree on that one. <laughs> Sorry. That. Um, so that is going to just about cover it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. If uh, Make sure you're following at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter, and you can like us on Facebook as well. You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at Joe Hio, J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Uh, Zat, uh, Satchel, what's your social media stuff? Uh, social media is S-Ziffer, Z-I-F-F-E-R 15. And if anyone's a Monarch fan and wants to read more about us, uh, the website is Satchel, S-A-T-C-H-E-L, A-Ziffer, dot uh, Wix site at Monarch Madness. So, yeah. Nice. All right. Well, leave us a review on iTunes if you found us there. Uh, Satchel, thanks for coming on the show. I feel like we're going to have you on uh, a bunch more times to kind of talk about this from a player's perspective, which hopefully our audience appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I look forward to being on later. And, you know, hopefully ODU doesn't disappoint me too much this week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Once again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great week, and uh, happy football watching.